Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, Matthew Betts and Matt Okada. What is up, Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast listeners? Matthew Betts, John Hamkamp, back on the mic this evening. John, it is day four without sports on our TV, and I don't know what to do at this point in time because <laughs> uh, it's sad, man. It is sad. It's tough to find ways to fill the time because, honestly, I don't know about you, but sports is pretty much all I do in terms of my free time. Um, and with that being said, I've had more time to do some work for the site uh, more time for research for tonight's show. That's how I'm filling my time. How are you surviving the quarantine life over there in Arizona? Yeah, um, I'm doing a lot of film study. <laughs> Perfect. So it's given me a lot of time to watch some rookies. Uh, I'm going through YouTube and pulling up full games from this last season, college and pro, and doing a lot of watching of those. So, yeah, it's, uh, it, is, it is rough without any sort of live sports now luckily we have some actual news to talk about which is great oh yes so we actually have some things that are happening in real life and the entire world has not come to a complete stop um but yeah it's uh it's definitely rough without the live sports i'm i'm longing for the day that that we're gonna get those back yeah, well, hopefully that happens soon because I don't know about you, man. I can't do many more puzzles uh, with the fiance. I cannot <laughs> read any more books. I'm ready for more sports on my TV, uh, as I'm sure all of our listeners and viewers on Periscope and YouTube uh, are. All right, John, before we get into all of the news that is dropping on this Sunday, I want to remind everyone we are on social media everywhere that you are on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We are at RedShirtsFFPod. As mentioned, we are now on YouTube And if you haven't checked it out yet, please do, because on our YouTube channel, we have myself, John, and Okada breaking down this 2020 rookie class, uh, about five to eight minutes per rookie, breaking down their strengths, their weaknesses, and basically how they translate to the NFL uh, for fantasy football purposes. John, give the people a sneak peek. Who's coming next on the channel? Yeah, so next on the channel for me, um, I probably have... Let me take a look here real quick. I've got a couple in the pipeline that I'm going to be working on. Um, I have, let's see. I probably am going to have Justin Jefferson. Ooh, probably Justin like Jefferson it. is going to be the next one up. And then probably some uh, probably some Jordan Love, really interesting quarterback prospect after that. So yeah, Justin Jefferson is probably going to be the next one to drop. Love it. Check it out. Uh, we have Jerry Judy up there, Justin Herbert from John. Uh, I have my DeAndre Swift profile up. All that stuff is on there. Go ahead and check that out on YouTube. All right, John, should we get into this news? Yeah, let's do it. I got great news, guys. Oh, hey, All right, man, you said it. We got to talk about it. News is actually happening. It feels like you... Okada and myself have talked about um, hashtag fake news for like (laughs) a month straight, but we have legitimate news. John, there is going to be NFL football for 10 more seasons. Hallelujah. The new CBA has passed barely. Barely. I believe the vote 
was uh, a yes. I think there were 60 more yeses than no, so it barely yep. passed. But regardless, it is through. We officially are on to 2021 and beyond for NFL football. What is your biggest takeaway from the new CBA? There's a few really big things in this one to discuss. Uh, one, obviously, being the extended schedule, uh, taking preseason down to three games, adding one regular season game. They're saying that that is going to start 2021 at the earliest, depending on uh, the contracts that they can get with uh, with media. But that's in the works. That's going to be interesting. That means one more week of fantasy football. Um, so we'll probably have playoffs 14, 15, 16 um, yep. instead of 13, 14, 15. So that's, that's going to be interesting. Um, also, this year, starting this season, when we do finally get 2020 football, uh, expanded playoffs, one more wild card per conference, and only the number one seed getting a bye. So that means we will have six games potentially on on wild card wild card weekend. So that's that's a lot. I can't of wait for that. Yeah, it's I cannot be wait for that. I I kind of have mixed feelings about how the playoffs have changed, but if mm-hmm. it means more playoff football for us as viewers, as fans of the NFL, I mean, I'm in. And like you said, you know, this won't happen for this season necessarily for the extra week for week 17, right. um, or I should say week 18, I guess, because they'll play 17 games. Yep. Uh, that'll happen potentially in 2021. So for this season, if you're listening, getting ready for your 2020 season for football it is not going to be 17 games it will still be 16 for this season but the playoff um schedule like john was alluding to is changing as early as this season so big time changes coming in the nfl all i know is that man i'm just happy we can guarantee ourselves 10 more years uh, of football here moving forward but for this season and for 2020 we have one big name quarterback who got absolutely paid today again we're recording this on sunday Ryan Tannehill officially signs a four-year, $118 million contract, $62 million of which is guaranteed. John, your initial reactions to this signing? Yeah, I love it. Um, I think that it's the right move. It's something that we've been talking about for feels like probably a month, month and a half about this looming and how they're going to handle that situation. And I think that that was what I initially said that I wanted them to do, sign the quarterback. Um, and then look at tagging Derrick Henry, which it looks like is exactly what's going to happen. Um, he played really well. The The contract on Tannehill works out to 29.5 mil per year, puts him as the seventh highest uh, paid in the league. Um, he fits what they do perfectly. He's great for their system. Um, it absolutely is a great fit. Um, I love it. Basically, what they're able to do is they're going to, get their quarterback locked up for four years. We have four more years of Tana thrill in Tennessee. Um, and it. then they're going to tag. Yeah. Right. And then tag Derrick Henry probably. Um, now I'm concerned about a potential holdout for Henry. That is something that we're really? going to have to start. Yeah. Something that I think we're going to have to start keeping an eye on. Um, I'm not sure if he will or not. I hope he doesn't. Obviously I love Derrick Henry. Come back, play, Strong defense, which they'll only continue to improve. Um, more chemistry for that offense. You know, it's it's a really good thing they got going. Um, but with him getting the tag, yeah, I'm, I'm concerned because he was talking about wanting Zeke-level money. Um, and he's not right. getting Zeke-level money on this tag. It's about $10 mil a year. So it, well, is, I've seen, it is good, though. Yeah, I've seen some reports out there basically saying that the Titans are prepared 
to give Henry a significant amount of money. Now, I don't know what that means. Of course, that could just be the franchise tag because it is a significant amount of money. Right. It doesn't really allude to the fact that he wants more money. Like you're saying, he wants that Zeke level contract. And I've said, you know, for weeks and weeks, I'm concerned that he doesn't get it just because of the way the market is. And we've seen those contracts, you know, flop with other big name running backs like Todd Gurley, of course, now with the knee issues. Um, Zeke, say what you will, it, he got paid a ton, and we're not sure if Dak's really going to get the contract he wants because of that. And, David Johnson. You know, David Johnson, exactly. Now the Cardinals are stuck with him. So it's just not a smart move from an NFL perspective, and that has nothing to do with fantasy. But, you know, it, it is a situation that we'll have to monitor and watch because they did just release Deion Lewis. So right now, I mean, Derrick Henry is the He's running back on the roster. He's it. Yeah. So we'll see what happens there. But definitely good news for Ryan Tannehill. I think good news for A.J. Brown. Yep. Um, it's just exciting to see a guy like Tannehill who, not, let's not, you know, let's not lie about it. Like, he was almost basically either out of the league or just a stuck backup. And last year came out, balled out, took Mariota's job, and really um, took a, a huge step forward for that entire offense. So good news there for Ryan Tannehill, a very, very Rich man today. Next piece of news on the dock. Uh, Chris Sims is officially reporting that the Niners are out on Tom Brady. And I don't know about you. I never really bought into this as being a true possibility. I mean, you know, he's kind of from the area and he said, maybe I want to go back and play. Regardless, it wasn't happening. They just made the Super Bowl with Jimmy G. That's not going to change now. He's he's there officially. Jimmy G is. But it is down to two teams, according to Chris Sims. The Patriots and the Buccaneers. Now, on our last episode, you, myself, and Okada talked about what would happen to Chris Goblin and Mike Evans if Tom Brady signs there. And listeners, I'll just save you some time. It is not good. It is quite bad. It is scary. But out of those two options, let's talk about you know Tom Brady's fantasy value. And maybe it's just a, a QB2 in a super flex league, and that's fine for his you know later stages of his career. Where would you prefer that he goes for fantasy? I mean, for fantasy, obviously, I'd prefer he goes to Tampa Bay. Um, New England is going to do what they're what they're trying to do, which is play really, really good defense and not rely on a very potent offense. You know that that's been their mo for the last couple of years. They don't have the weapons. Uh, going to to Tampa Bay, I my biggest concern would be Mike Evans in that system if if Brady's the quarterback there. Um, but I think that Godwin would still continue to do pretty well. Um, I, I think that the weapons that they have around him, their ability to create after the catch, um, I think that Brady would be a fine quarterback too in Superflex if he's down there in Tampa. Um, I think that they're going to have to play offense in that in that team to, to win, especially in that division, going up, up against the Saints if this does end up happening. I still think it's most likely that he's back in New England. Um, but if he does go to Tampa Bay, I think he gets a slight uptick, uh, in my rankings. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely the most fantasy friendly offense for him at this point in his career, com comparing the Patriots and the Bucks, of course. And I agree. Chris Godwin would definitely see the most benefit of that situation relative to Mike Evans. Um, yeah, it's, it's a situation that I think I'm hopeful that, because I'm a Mike Evans owner in a lot of dynasty leagues right. and Chris Godwin is a guy, you know, we saw burst onto the scene last year. I hope it's not Tom Brady because I think that would definitely cap their upside. Um, but you know, like you're saying, it's probably more likely than not. He's back in new England. I still feel that way. Vegas odds are still 
in that favor of him going back there. So right now, that's kind of what we'll see happen. But, you know, this week is going to be nuts, and we'll find out hopefully soon enough. Next piece of news here on the dock, Hunter Henry officially staying with the Chargers. He was uh, franchise tagged over the weekend. Uh, John, what are your thoughts here? I mean, we don't know who the quarterback is, so it's kind of hard to talk about the team as a whole in general and in terms of the fantasy value for Hunter Henry. But I personally kind of like when teams, you know, I don't want to say they're committing to him, but they're at least keeping him in the offensive game plan for uh, 2020. I think Hunter Henry is a very, very good tight end. I think we have barely seen him scratch the surface. What are your thoughts there with Hunter Henry in LA? Yeah. um, Obviously, Going into free agency, it's fun to talk about different situations and dream and think about where he might go and stuff like that. Now, obviously, in free agency, not every player leaves the team that they were on. This does happen every year, and I think that it's probably pretty good. Kind of going going to the franchise tag, going back to talking about the CBA that was just ratified today, it's big because teams only get one franchise tag to work with now. They don't get the transition right. tag anymore. So they only have the one tag. That's also important when talking about Tennessee. If, if they're going to uh, – if they, they just extended Tannehill, that means that they've only got the one tag to work with with Derrick Henry. It's big right. in Dallas. If they can't get a contract done with Dak, they tag That's him. Huge. That means Amari That's Cooper huge. is out there as a, as a free agent. There is no restricted. So it is, uh, it's a big deal. So they've got the one franchise tag to use. They use it on a really good offensive weapon. Uh, Derrick Henry is very talented. Um, I mean, I've heard that the Chargers might also be a potential landing spot for Brady. I don't know if they're up there with, with the Tampa Bay, um, New England in terms of like probability. But I mean, between all the options, I'd, I think I'd rather see him with the Chargers than with the other two teams. But whoever's going to be the quarterback there is going to have weapons to play with now. You have Eckler locked up, Henry locked up, Mike Williams locked up, Keenan Allen locked up. That offense yep. is set in place. It's done. Like they're probably going to bring another running back in to fill some of the the carries because Eckler's not a twenty carry a game guy, and we don't want him to be. He's a pass catching option too, so they're going to need another running back in that in that offense to maybe get eight to ten carries a game. Uh, but other than that, that offense is set; it is locked in for whatever quarterback is going to come in there. I don't know if they're going to make a run at free agency or if they're looking at uh, taking a quarterback high in the draft. If they're going to look at trying to snake up for Tua or take Justin Herbert. We don't know, but whoever the quarterback is going to be for the Chargers, they are set with their weapons. It is already in place. Yeah, I mean, it sounds simple to say this, but they are a quarterback away from being a legit (laughs) contender, uh, which is a huge, huge, huge hole to fill, obviously. Probably the most important hole to fill. Uh, We'll see. Definitely a very good offense as is. Definitely some very exciting playmakers in-house. We'll see. I personally think they'll go quarterback in the draft with that sixth pick or move up and then probably let him uh, sit for a few games behind Tyrod Taylor and then enter uh, to play as the starter. We'll see. Last two things here we'll talk about before we move on. The Ravens have acquired Calais Campbell for a 2020 fifth-round pick, and we are not an IDP show. We do not talk defense a ton on this show. However, this is important because I think it tells you what's happening in Jacksonville. And first off, Great trade for the Ravens. I mean, they are a legit Super Bowl contender. Clayus Campbell, even though he's, what, 34, I think? He's still Still top 12 interior defensive lineman in the league. So great for them. They get him super cheap. 
Jacksonville is absolutely now uh, tanking for Trevor. I'm fully convinced yep. that is happening at this point uh, in their their moves they're seeing this offseason. I want to spin it a little bit more towards the overall team makeup because Leonard Fournette has yellow flags all over the place, not even from fantasy, just the fact that they voided his guaranteed contract. Um, you know, there's been kind of disputes amongst the, the player and the team. They're moving all their veterans. Is Leonard Fournette on his way out of Jacksonville? I think he's got to be. I mean, with looking at what they're doing, they're getting rid of everyone. They, they've stripped down that entire defense that was like, what, three minutes away from making the Super Bowl a few years back? That, that, so close. With Blake so Bortles. Close. With Bortles. That entire defense is gone. They're shipping everyone out. It, it it looks to me like it's just a full-on yard sale. And can we talk about what a steal of a trade the Ravens just got away with? A fifth-round pick great, for Calais Campbell? Yeah, I'm sitting here trade. as a Seahawks fan knowing we need defense alignment going, that was the price? Like, we couldn't, <laughs> we couldn't get Calais Campbell? Like... Oh, man, Schneider, pick up the phone, offer a third or a fourth and get him. But it was a great move for, for the Ravens. Yeah. Every, everyone's on the way. It's, it's an everything must go clearing house sale in Jacksonville. I think that the Jaguars, because he's going to be looking at needing a new contract next year, I believe. I think that it's it's a good time for them to look to move him. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, I, it's concerning for the entire offense. I mean, DJ Chark whoever the quarterback is, whether it's Foles or Gardner Minshew. Yeah. I think that team is going to be absolutely atrocious this year. And, you know, certainly there are fantasy relevant players on bad offenses, um, exhibit a Joe Mixon, but you know, it, we don't like to bank on that in fantasy. Right. So I will probably fade the Jacksonville offense quite hard when it comes to uh, redraft season this year. Last piece of news. And then we'll move on. ESPN's Cameron Wolf reporting that the Dolphins have interest in free agent Melvin Gordon. This is really interesting because I don't know that it fits with what the team wants to do in terms of completely stripping it down last year, selling all their assets for picks. I mean, why would you bring in a Melvin Gordon to me who, yeah. yes, he's still a very, very good running back, but at this stage of his career, wouldn't you want to just grab a guy in the second or third round and and let him kind of develop as the guy there. That's kind of how I view it. What are your thoughts here with Melvin Gordon? Yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, I'm with you. I don't know that it fits with what we've seen in terms of the overall feel and mentality. Everyone's basically mocking a DeAndre Swift to Miami in the late first round yeah. as being an option. Um, they've got so much draft capital, so much to work with. I'm not really sure why that's the money you want to spend in free agency. Like if, if you're going to go spend, spend on your offensive line, like go, go right. spend on things like that and then go young and go cheap for your skill position players, because you have so much draft capital to work with. They could walk away with getting a new quarterback, running back wide receiver one in their draft. They have that much yep. capital that they could make it happen. So if, if you're going to spend money in free agency, I'd, I'd be spending it on offensive line, defense, things like that, and then going young in the draft, um, especially because you're going to be bringing in a quarterback that's going to need to develop as well. So you're you're not bringing Melvin Gordon into a, a offense that's a running back away. Like, it's not that kind of situation. You need to revamp everything, starting at the quarterback position, drafting a young, cheap running back that will be, you know, 
coming into his own year two, year three, when when your quarterback is coming into his own, that seems like a more logical fit. So, yeah, I, I don't know that it makes a ton of sense if it happens. Interesting. I mean, it's it's not my favorite landing spot for him. I'd prefer to see him go to Buffalo or Houston or Seattle. There's a lot of other places that that could really, you know, he would be a one or two year top tier running back going to another system. Yeah. Miami would, it would make more sense. It would make more sense at other places. But the good news is, John, this week it is officially the opening of yes. free agency. We are going to find out tomorrow as soon as possible. Yes, the legal tampering period does start uh, tomorrow. Again, we're recording this on Sunday evening. Before we get into our rookie rewind, talking about the 2019 class, how about a little word from our sponsors? John, you know that I am a fitness guy. I like to work out. I like to eat right. And we have a sponsor that's going to help us do that. We are talking about nuts and more. If you like peanut butter, if you like almond butter, if you like dessert, this is the place for you. Their flavors are amazing. I mean, you're talking about like cookies and cream, peanut butter, um, like, you know, mint chocolate chip, like just all these good flavors. And they're all super healthy, all natural ingredients um, and really do support that active lifestyle. And in today's state, I mean, no one's really going out anymore into the stores because of what's going on around the country. And that's half joking, but honestly serious. Really? And you can get this delivered right to your door. So head on over nutsinmore.com slash redshirts. Use code redshirts for 15% off your order today. All right, John, we are all hyped about the 2020 class. We are breaking down these rookies on our YouTube channel, but let's not forget what happened last year. The 2019 rookie class was legit and really, really good players that are going to be fantasy assets for years to come. Let's review uh, who took a huge step forward, who were maybe higher on the consensus or lower on the consensus. Let's start at the quarterback position. Let's talk about Okada's boy, Kyler Murray, the number one overall pick in the draft last year. Fantasy's quarterback eight threw for over 3,500 yards, only threw 20 touchdowns. Did throw 12 interceptions, but I don't care about any of that. I care about the rushing, and that's really where his value came in. Ran for over 500 yards uh, on the ground last year, four rushing touchdowns. Kyler Murray locked in as a top, let's say, six dynasty quarterback for you. Yeah. Are you are you that high on him? Yeah, yeah, I am. I mean, he showed incredible flashes in his rookie season, and they don't even have the strongest complimentary pieces around him, which they're going to continue to look at doing. Everyone's talking about the rumors we've talked about, potentially CD lamb back with Kyler Murray. I love it so much. If that happens, please, uh, please, please let us see this. Um, that would be hell for the NFC West. So I don't love that, but for fantasy for both of them, <laughs> that's ideal. Um, he looked great. I mean, obviously as a rookie, you're still learning and adjusting. And, and there were some moments where it's like, okay, that was a learning opportunity, but I don't really know what, much more you want to see out of a rookie quarterback look fantastic his rushing ability is great you're in that four wide offense like 80 percent of the time for the cardinals the rushing lanes for him are wide open they gotta they gotta go like six six dbs back there to cover the four wide he's he's not gonna face stack box so when he does decide to pull it down and run he does so very well. He's got the funniest little running motion I've ever seen in my life. I have no <laughs> idea, but it's so effective. He's so slippery. He's so quick. Um, but yeah, he's he's very intriguing to me. I think they're only going to continue to improve the weapons around him. He could be taking a really big step forward year two. Yeah, and I think he will, like you said. I mean, the NFL draft 
can only help Kyler Murray because they're either going offensive lineman early yep. or they're taking a stud wide receiver like a CeeDee Lamb. And either way, that's a win for Kyler. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about it on the last show. I joked with Okada to tell him to go watch the YouTube documentary on Kyler. And I actually encourage our listeners to do so as well. It's on the Arizona Cardinals YouTube channel. And basically, it just shows his growth throughout the year. And basically, he talks about at the end, like, weeks one to eight, the game was just so fast. He was having trouble adjusting to it. And you can see it on tape. And then in the second half of the year, things really slowed down. He understood the terminology more, understood the offense, understood what it took to be NFL quarterback. So, yes, I am definitely in on Kyler Murray. Um, I'll be high on him this year for sure. And obviously with Okada on the show, I think we're going to be brainwashed (laughs) into being higher on him than consensus as a whole because of the rushing upside for sure. One quick note on Kyler. Since 2015, there have only been three quarterbacks as a rookie to finish as a top 15 fantasy quarterback. Kyler Murray was one last year. Dak Prescott. Can you name the third? This was from 2015. 2015 rookie? Yes. Oh. 30 for 30. Uh, On the spot. 30 30 for 30 doesn't give it away? No, not to me. Oh, come on. Oh, 30 for 30. That 30 for 30. I was thinking ESPN 30 for 30. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, no. no, That's, yeah. Well, I can't wait for the actual 30 for 30 to come out about Jameis' 30 30 for 30. 30 for 30? Oh, yeah. But yeah, those three players, the only three rookies uh, in that time span to do it. So yes, very encouraging there for Kyler. The arrow is pointing up. Let's chat a little bit about Gardner Minshew. I don't want to spend a ton of time on him because we still don't even know if he's actually going to be the starter. But when he was in there, the jorts and the mustache (laughs) elevated his game to a level I can't even talk about. Uh, He was very good. He was electrifying. He was exciting for an offense that needed it. And we have to talk about Nick Foles because he was paid a lot of money. There's rumors that they're going to try to trade him. They're stuck with him. No one's picking up that contract. So let's just check, you know, a little bit about Gardner Minshew as a, a player. What did you see last year that you were really encouraged by? And do you see him being able to take a step forward? We just talked about how worried we are with that offense as a whole. Yeah, I, I don't love the offense. Um, what I did like about Gardner Minshew is that it didn't seem too big for him. You know what I mean? This is a late round draft pick. Yeah. Um, coming out of Washington State, uh, played under Mike Leach. What a pair, those two. <laughs> Can <laughs> but, you imagine the, oh, the locker man. room, what that was like? <laughs> oh, I, I hope at some point Mike Leach becomes like an assistant coach at the NFL level and that he's on he's with Gardner Minshew again. I want that to oh, happen please. so bad. Please. It's I'm built for, for it. TV. Put that on you know hard knocks. That would be incredible. Um, he looked like he was comfortable. He looked like he understood things. He was really fearless a lot of the times. He just took his shots, and most of the times they were the right decisions. Um, There were obviously some bad decisions as well, but he had really good chemistry early with uh, Shark. Um, You know, I I think that... I think it's entirely possible that that Jacksonville does look at potentially offloading Nick Foles. And I know a lot of teams aren't going to want to spend that money, but it could be a situation where with the discount they just gave the Ravens for trading away Calais, they might be willing to eat like half the contract to to unload him. Be like, hey, listen, we'll pay half of his contract or whatever to get him off the books. And if you're just tanking for for Trevor, (laughs) that tripped me up. If you wanted just, to say Tua, didn't you? I did want to say tanking <laughs> for Tua. I'm just so it's so ingrained. If they're tanking for Trevor, then what's the harm in just throwing Gardner Minshew out there for one year, seeing what you have, 
seeing if he can develop. Maybe he becomes a viable option that you can then trade next year if you're taking Trevor Lawrence in the draft. So I, I think that they might look at doing something along those lines if they can get a suitor. If not, I don't know what they're going to do then. I don't know if Nick Foles just becomes an $80 million backup. I, I don't know. Yeah, time will tell. We'll see what shakes out there in Jacksonville. Let's move on to our next quarterback here, and then we'll move on to the more exciting players, running back and receiver. We were talking Daniel Jones' sixth overall pick. Still can't believe I just said that um, coming out of the draft last year. But, hey, he showed upside, and he showed some flashes as to why he could be a, a good starting caliber quarterback in the NFL and a good fantasy option. I mean, he did have four top two fantasy weeks last year which is kind of crazy to say with that offense i mean saquon barkley was in and out of the lineup evan ingram obviously dealt with some health issues darius slayton was a rookie that took a step forward obviously um what are your thoughts on daniel jones i'm kind of higher on him i feel like than most because of the fact that he's still so young and what we saw last year with you know an offense that really to be honest with you wasn't that good and for him to put up those kind of fantasy numbers i think is really encouraging here for year number two yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm high on him. Um, I think that he's got a lot of potential. Those top two finishes that he put up, they were just, I mean, it was bombs away in those weeks. It was just a complete light show. Everything that he was doing looked incredible. He was taking these amazing deep shots, hitting people in stride. I, I mean, he showed a lot of potential. You kind of see the flashes of why the Giants were so enamored with him coming out uh, of the draft. So I think that they've got some weapons around him. Now, I think... With having Saquon back there, Saquon is obviously incredibly, incredibly elite, top-tier running back, one of the best prospects we've seen come out in the last decade. They need to go now. Like, it needs to be, like, right now, you need to go all-in with Daniel Jones on on his rookie contract, an elite, all-pro, I mean, unbelievable running back behind him, a really talented tight end if he can ever stay healthy, um... Your only other wide receiver option is Darius Slayton, another rookie that we'll get to later in the show. You need to go all in on putting weapons into that offense now. Like, it's time. It's got to happen in the next two seasons before you start getting Saquon into that, like, 27, 28-year range. It's it's time to go. You got to get some weapons around Daniel Jones. Yeah, for sure. And that's the way to win in today's NFL is build around that rookie contract for a quarterback. Um, and really take advantage. So we'll see what the Giants do. Obviously, a new coaching staff there in town. Pat Shermer is out. But Daniel Jones, I think the biggest thing to take away is, you know, it's encouraging what he did in year one. Year two, we could see even more. And the mobility is there. It's an underrated aspect of his game that I like. 279 yards on the ground last year, and that was only in 12 games. So Mm -hmm. he definitely has that upside that, you know, is less obvious than a Kyler Murray, and it's definitely not on the same level. But could he get you a, a nice chunk of of yards on the ground every game and add to his stats definitely he could so we like daniel jones here moving forward uh for sure on to the running backs two guys that finished inside the top 24 and every single season since 2012 there have been at least two rookie running backs to do it the two last year josh jacobs and miles sanders and quick side note let's remember that when we talk about drafts for Redraft. We're going to be talking about guys like Don, Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, etc. There's going to be at least two of those guys, according to statistics, that actually end up being an RB2 or better. So definitely don't fade the rookie running backs in your redraft leagues. But for Josh Jacobs, man, it, there, what is there to say? Like He was on his way to a top 12 season in year one. Uh, 
PFF's most elusive running back, uh, yep. a minimum of 100 rush attempts. Uh, the guy was was very good. I think the only real knock on him, if you can even say that, was just his lack of usage in the passing game. Yep. Do you think that changes here in year two? Well, they're saying it will. Um, I mean, they're they're saying that they want to get him more involved at at the uh, combine. Um, I can't remember if it was Mayock or if it was Gruden. One of the two said that we know that we need to get Josh Jacobs more involved in the passing game. And I'm like, please don't toy with my heart this way because (laughs) it needs to happen. If you add that element to his game, 30 to 40 receptions per year on top of what he was already doing, lock it up. He's an RB1. That's that's all you need to see. He looked fantastic in his rookie year um, until he started dealing with the the shoulder injury coming down the stretch. But yeah, he was looking fantastic. I think he, they, they hit gold with Josh Jacobs. There's not a position that, can hit faster in the NFL than a running back. That That is the one fantasy-relevant position where players can come in and hit right away. They are talented. That translates to the NFL level. Wide receivers end up taking a little bit of time to develop most of the time as they come in. Running backs can come in and hit it, and it seems like we see it every year where we have a top 12 running back that's a rookie almost every season. So. Yep. Josh Jacobs was that guy last year. I think he's going to continue to develop, continue to do well. If they can just get him involved in the passing game, um, he's going to be one of those guys that could perennially be in consideration for RB1. Yeah, you're not wrong about that. Just 27 targets last year. So if he can grow that number, um, it is going to be a big-time step forward, a lock. I think if we can guarantee him, let's say we give him – 40 targets or 50 targets yep. in this offense. I mean, he's a lock for a top 10 season, yeah. in my opinion. Does it happen? That's up for debate. We're going to find out. The other running back there, Miles Sanders, uh, also finished as a top 24 option. But it was a tale of two seasons for Sanders. Yep. Started slow because the the offensive scheme didn't really go around him. There was obviously less injury early in the season. Jordan Howard was still a factor early on. From weeks 1 to 7 was RB32. 8 to 16, he was the RB6. He was electric. He was explosive. Everything you want in running back, he was. I mean, very good on the ground, um, really good through the air. Yep. Uh, 63 targets last year. But I personally feel a lot of that probably came just from the injuries that were absolutely absurd for the Eagles pass catchers. That is a situation that I think we're going to see some regression in Miles Sanders' pass catching stats in 2020 you're shaking your head yes i think you agree yeah i i do i really enjoyed sanders last year i thought he was a lot of fun he was one of those guys where if you hit on him you know early or picked him up off the waiver wire in in your redraft league um he was a league winning running back last year with what he did down the stretch at and at no cost you know i i definitely won a league with him on on my roster um that offense had absolutely nothing else going for it other than him though down the stretch that was it they had no wide receiver options left other than boston scott they had they had nothing else that that they could really bank on Ertz was even dealing with some injuries down the stretch too this is an offense that is going to be looking at adding weapons this year they're going to look to improve that receiving core in the draft via free agency we don't know amari cooper we know is probably now going to be available because dax likely getting likely getting franchise tagged so i would love to see him stay in the division that'd be a lot of fun but um yeah i think that he is a real regression candidate i still really like him he's a really talented kid i don't know if he has a stranglehold on that job though i don't know if they're going to bring someone else in and it's going to be a real kind of committee approach back there i could absolutely see that happening he's not 
he, I don't know if he sold himself enough to be a 70% carry running back in that offense. So I'm, I'm hesitantly optimistic about Miles Sanders, but he's not someone that I'm just like all in. He has, you know, RB1 value in terms of trading and things like that. I'm not there on him yet. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, if this was a coaching staff that was definitely going to commit to him, I mean, the talent is not a question. He was really effective. Uh, The tape shows it. The numbers show it. But the only question mark is, like you were saying, is the offensive scheme going to go around him because like you're saying every single mock draft you look at right now has a wide receiver going to the eagles in in round one they're talking about like you said maybe amari cooper maybe robbie anderson Mm -hmm. there's going to be more pass catchers there but the other factor is you know the team did trade for jordan howard last year to bring in a second back and i think they have to find a way to fill that void whether or not it's a caliber of back that it's as good as jordan howard we'll find out but Jordan Howard is likely not going to be back on this team. So it's not going to be Miles Sanders and Boston Scott on that roster, in my opinion. I think they do bring in another running back. If they commit to, to Miles Sanders, I mean, he's a top 15 option, in my opinion. But yep. do they actually commit to him? I don't know. We'll find out. It's obviously not in Doug Peterson's DNA right. to do that. So we'll see there on Miles Sanders. In Dynasty, I think it's pretty clear. You strongly feel Josh Jacobs uh, above Miles Sanders? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. I'm with you on that. And our dynasty ranks on the site reflect it. Let's move on to Devin Singletary. Um, you talked about wanting Melvin Gordon there in Buffalo. And if that happens, Devin Singletary's value takes a huge hit. But for last season, he was really solid. I mean, he was like the perfect RB2 for your roster. Yeah. He missed weeks three to five with the hamstring injury. But when he came back, I mean, he was averaging 16.4 rush attempts per game. And in weeks nine to 16, he was the RB17. Really solid, didn't really have any boom weeks or let you down, but he was just very solid all around. However, he did lack one category in terms of upside, and that was rushing touchdowns. He had just two on the year. That is a situation that we need to talk about because if he doesn't find the end zone, I mean, he'll never be a top 12 running back. He just won't. And Josh Allen is there. He's very mobile. He'll take away some opportunity. Devin Singletary isn't going to enter the season as the only back on the roster. Right. Give me your outlook here for Devin Singletary moving forward. Yeah, I've got him and Miles Sanders in very similar situations. These are guys where I feel like they're probably going to have some competition for carries. I feel like the offenses that they're in are going to improve their pass catching options. Um, We've seen a ton of mocks, just like with, with Philly looking to take a wide receiver. We've seen a ton of mocks that Buffalo is going to be doing the same thing. I mean, T. Higgins to Buffalo is like the flavor of the month. Everyone's mocking it. Um, It's one of those situations where he is very electric. He doesn't have the biggest frame. He's not someone I think that's built for bell cow duties. Um, He's going to be really good in the passing game. I think he's going to be a viable option going forward. He's not the guy going forward, though. This is a guy that, that will benefit from having another running back in the system. I mean, he could be the Austin Eckler to Melvin Gordon 2.0 if they go out and they spend the money on bringing Melvin Gordon in. It's that kind of situation. He needs, I think, someone else to carry the load. I only think that he carried the load down the stretch almost out of necessity because the only other option that they had was was Frank Gore, and, and he wasn't getting it done. So Frank Gore poached a lot of touchdowns from him too. Frank Gore got a lot of work in, yeah. inside the five-yard line. Um, but yeah, if, if he's not 
heavily used in the red zone. If they bring another running back in, he's a fine RB2 flex option, which is great. You need those on your roster. But I don't see him as being an RB1 guy this year. I don't think that his ceiling is there. I think his ceiling is about an RB2. Yeah, I think that's probably where he's capped right now. I mean, this could change. Like, if they bring in someone like, I don't know, like a Carlos Hyde, then I'm going to be way higher on Devin Singletary because I think that tells us what they think of him as being Mm -hmm. a featured back. I disagree a little bit. I think he can be a featured back. He did it last year. But, you know, like you were saying, it's because Frank Gore, who is now, what, 37? I don't even (laughs) know if that's right. 35? I don't even know. But at that point, like, the clear, obvious choice was Devin Singletary. If you're telling me they bring in Melvin Gordon, we got to have a whole new conversation about this guy because it's going to change. Again, we'll get our answers here soon enough. But I like the player. Showed well last year. Uh, kind of an enigma at this point. Not really sure what to think about him in terms of the depth chart. Yep. One guy who is a true enigma, and I honestly have no idea what to do in Dynasty. John, I'm hoping you can help our listeners out here. David Montgomery, man. Yeah. RB24 last year, so he was a starting caliber fantasy player. But, man, he was disappointing and i think it was was our fault and when i say our i don't mean you and i i just mean the fantasy community in general hyped this guy up so much and we talked about how the bears went out they traded for him in the draft to go up and get him the the roster was favorable in terms of it only being Tariq cohen and david montgomery he's going to be the guy but he couldn't even beat out mike davis before week one i mean what do we do with david montgomery because he had opportunity the same number of carries as Josh Jacobs, but obviously way less production. Talk to me. Okay, so a couple things. First and foremost, if by any stretch, if, if it happens to be that Adam Rank is listening right now, I love you. It is your fault, though. <laughs> Adam Rank, you hyped David Montgomery into the stratosphere. Well, probably and Brad because, Evans. And Brad Evans, too. Yeah. Um, but Adam Rank, big-time Chicago Bears homer, loves his team. Uh, was super hyped on David Montgomery, was drooling over him being an RB1 last year. Um, so here's 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 my take on David Montgomery. Montgomery is a very good running back. I like his game a lot. I think he's very elusive. I think he's very strong. I think that he has a lot of things going for him. There was a few things that really hurt him, though. One was being in the offense that he was, was with Trubisky at quarterback. Because if... if they don't have an offense that can continue to move the ball down the field. They're running out of options for David Montgomery, especially in scoring opportunities. That was a very bad offense last year. If they improve their quarterback situation, which we think that it's possible that they might, or they bring in someone to compete with Trubisky, but I think everyone's in agreement that Trubisky has one more year to show himself at most, if not halfway through the season. This is it. It's, this is the it's last, put up or shut up time yeah, for him. This is it for, for Trubisky. So if they bring someone in, whether it's via free agency or they draft someone you know, later, I'm not talking about a first-round quarterback, but they bring someone in that can kind of push Trubisky, it, it could be a situation where we see the quarterback change midseason like we saw in Tennessee last year. They went out and they got Tannehill basically for free from Miami. Not really expecting him to take over the job, but he just did. He was good. He came in, and he never gave the job back. Something like that could happen this year, even if it's a veteran, you know, ah, oh, jeez, anybody. 
I mean, pretty much anyone. <laughs> anyone. Case Literally Keenum, anyone. Anyone. Case, Case Keenum. Case Keenum. Matt could probably, could, Yeah, Matt Okada could play quarterback for the Chicago Bears and be better than Trubisky. But they could potentially bring someone in to push the situation, take over. If that offense just sees a little bit of an uptick in their ability to move the ball downfield, and if, if they can just freaking call plays and give David Montgomery the ball, because it sounds like, or it looked like so many times, he just disappeared, and I had no idea why. I'm looking at the stat sheet. He had six carries. It's like, what are you doing? He, yeah. He's so much better than that. You need to feed the guy a little bit and get an offense that can move the ball downfield. I am a hold right now on Montgomery. I'm not super hyped on him, um, but I have him in a couple dynasty leagues. I actually just took him in a startup as my RB3, I believe it was. It's the league that we're in. Um, yep. I think he's my RB3. Yeah, he's my RB3. So in that case, I'm going to hold. I'm going to give it another year. I'm going to see what this offense does and if they progress and if if they can start calling his numbers some more and getting him into scoring opportunities. I think that he has a pretty positive outlook going forward. Yeah, there's not that many running backs in today's NFL that you can say as of today, um, on Sunday, what is it, March 15th, that he is going to be the starting running back week one. And we can say that about David Montgomery. Yeah. We know that. They're going to give him the opportunity again. So I think holding right now in Dynasty is the right move. I'm I'm nervous. And it's not necessarily about Montgomery. It's just Matt Nagy, man, just gets too cute sometimes. Oh, just, I know. You know, it's it's frustrating for sure. But if they give him the ball enough, he'll have enough volume to be relevant for fantasy. And obviously, that's what we care about. Does the talent win out? We're going to find out pretty soon. Before we get on to our wide receivers, I want to remind everyone about our second sponsor, us, Patreon. Hmm. The Patreon crew uh, in our Slack channel is some really good people, man. We interact with them frequently. And I want to remind everyone that we are offering on our Patreon uh, page, which is patreon.com slash pod, you can get in there and you can get bonus resources. For example, bonus podcasts, access to the Slack channel, uh, exclusive content, meaning uh, off-season research projects. We'll have our full projections on there. And soon enough, we will have a DFS expert joining us on the staff to provide a DFS-specific uh, podcast as well as articles. All that stuff is on Patreon, so please check it out, Patreon dot com slash red shirts pod all right john we are on to wide receivers and there is a ton on this list we're Woo. probably gonna run out of time so let's talk about maybe three or four guys and then we'll probably have to do a second rookie review show which is fine there's a lot of, of good players in this class let's start with your boy dk metcalf the wide receiver for the seattle seahawks finished with what is it 900 yards exactly seven touchdowns through the air greater than 15 uh, yards per reception on the season so he was explosive he won downfield uh, really encouraging to see from a guy who let's be honest had a lot of question marks coming into the draft process from yeah. other people out there so give me your thoughts on dk metcalf obviously as a seahawks fan you've got to be pretty excited about him yeah um i love it when i was watching the draft last year and i was watching it just continue to tick down tick down tick down get closer and closer to seattle and metcalf still on the board i'm like could this actually happen? Are we really going to get this guy? Sure enough, they're on the clock. I'm like, please, for the love of all that's good, give, give me DK Metcalf. They needed a strong second option, and boy, did they get strong by drafting DK Metcalf. Dude is Literally. yoked. <laughs> so buff. But it was a fantastic fit. He built really early good chemistry with Russell Wilson. Um, he's going to be the wide receiver one in Seattle, potentially by the end of this next season. That's my call. He's going to take over 
Tyler Lockett by the end of this coming season. He's so good. He's so explosive. He's so big. He's got such a huge catch radius. Um, didn't drop hardly anything all season. Showed great hands. Everyone was saying coming out that, one, he had the injury concern with his neck. And that was, you know, kind of for not. It didn't impact him at all. Everything looks yep. good there. They were like, oh, but his three-cone time. I don't care. He's like exaggerating 6'6", 280 pounds as a wide receiver that runs like a sub four four forty. He's ridiculous. He's an athletic freak. Everyone was saying that he might just be a combine warrior. That wasn't the case either. He came out and he balled. Now, early in the season, his route tree was pretty limited, and they were talking about that being a knock on him, that he was only a run-in-a-straight-line, deep-ball kind of guy. Yep. Early in the season, that's how Seattle used him. They only lined him up on the left. They only had him run, basically, goes and deep slants, and, and that was it. But as the season went on, he polished up a lot. They started lining him up in different situations. His route tree started to expand. Down the stretch of the season, he was lining up on the right side and running quick outs. He, I mean, he was doing so much different work than people thought he was capable of, which was really, really encouraging to me. The chemistry that he has with Russell Wilson is fantastic. Russ has absolutely no problem putting up a jump ball to DK Metcalf and letting him go get it, and he did many times. He pretty much iced yeah. it against uh, your Eagles, sorry, but that last deep catch that he had yeah, iced that game did. in the playoffs, and it was just Russ basically going, I've got one-on-one with DK Metcalf, and I'm going to put it up there and let him go get it, and he did. So yeah. he is big. They like him in the red zone. They line him up all over the field. He and Russell Wilson have a very good chemistry developing. I think that he is a lock for wide receiver two value this year. And I think that he could start oh, approaching. Yeah. yeah. I mean, locked in top 15, 16, probably. And he could start. Ooh, that's spicy. I think so. It's possible. I mean, he, he was 900 on the dot in his rookie season he grew a ton down the stretch. I mean, give him 1,100 and nine touchdowns this year. Yeah, that would lock him in. Yeah, that could for sure happen. So, yeah, that's that's where I'm taking DK Metcalf. I think that he's really growing. I think he's going to be a huge asset for Seattle and for your finest, uh, dynasty rosters. Yeah, it's it's good to have analysts on the show that are not biased at all. So that was great, John. Yeah, really yeah, yeah. Appreciate no, happy. That. Happy to help. <laughs> no, man, I, I agree with you. We chatted about our dynasty ranks a couple episodes ago, and you and Okada gave me a hard time because I had DK too low. And honestly, hearing what you guys said on that show made me move them up. And really just kind of considering doing the research for this show made me move them up again. And you can find those ranks on the website. I want to ask you, though. You mentioned you could see DK being the wide receiver one in yeah. fantasy for the Seahawks as early as the end of this season, who would you prefer in Dynasty, Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf? I think that you'd have to go DK just because of the age. I mean, just because he's got the youth on his side, that's the route that I would go. Lockett is very talented, also has a great rapport with Wilson, um, has been producing, I mean, basically fringe wide receiver one numbers for the last couple years, right? He's been right in that like 12 to 15 area. Lockett's going to be great in the short term. If you're in win-now mode, I'm more confident in Lockett this season than I am DK Metcalf. But extrapolate it out, I'm going to take DK Metcalf. I think Metcalf has a higher ceiling than Lockett does overall in terms of like what I think that he'll eventually get to. He's not going to hit that this year. But overall, I think that Lockett, or Metcalf rather, 
is going to be able to put up actual wide receiver one numbers in his career at some point. It might take him a few years to get there, but I would take DK in dynasty over, over Lockett. Yeah, I think that's fair. The age number, the age gap itself, I think puts you there. Um, but both guys, obviously great options when Russell Wilson is your quarterback, yep. you want the wide receivers on the other side, uh, catching the football next wide receiver, kind of a little bit opposite of what we normally see from rookies, right? We normally see a slow start. Like you were saying with DK Metcalf, like we saw with guys like AJ Brown, but Terry McLaurin wasted no time. Man. I remember watching the game week one against the Eagles. The dude came out and exploded, um, went for, I think, two touchdowns in the game, over 100 yards, absolutely lit up the Eagles. Terry McLaurin, a very, very enticing prospect, a guy that I am planting my flag on. I'm in yeah, dynasty. Don't, I don't care about the quarterback. I don't care uh, about what happens there because the, what he showed with Case Keenum and Dwayne Haskins as a rookie was encouraging enough for me because you watch the tape, and I went back and watched a couple of games I mean, he's open on every single play. The separation is so insane. It's insane. He's an extremely good route runner, really underrated as a, as a prospect coming out. I think a lot of people missed on him. Terry McLaurin is a guy I am in on uh, in 2020 and beyond, especially in Dynasty Leagues. And like we've talked about, there is a possibility Tua goes at number two to the Redskins. Talk to me here about scary Terry McLaurin. I like him it took me a while to get on his bandwagon last year because i saw the explosive start and i was like maybe it's just a flash in the pan you know maybe it's just kind of a a a lucky few weeks but the more that i dug in the more that i started to look at what he's doing and the way that he does it he's sustainable um like you were saying his routes are dirty his ability to turn a defender around to get separation at the top of his route is very very good um, he is a very talented wide receiver. Now, Washington is a bit of a dumpster fire uh, overall. You've got, you know, the aging Adrian Peterson and returning from injury Darius Geis. Now, we've talked about Geis's injury, and we think that if he's healthy, he could be in line for potentially breakout. Um, the quarterback play is a question mark for me, but if he did it, like you're saying, with Case Keenum and Dwayne Haskins last year, it's not going to be worse than that. Like, he's not going to have worse quarterback play. So they're going to be looking to improve their offensive line. They might take Tua. If they take Tua, you are not going to be able to buy Terry McLaurin from anyone. It won't happen. So if you want him, if you like him, now's the time to do it. Because if Tua does go there at number two, his price is going to absolutely skyrocket. He's going to be rocketing up people's boards. Yeah, and that's a move that I would make personally, and I've done it in a couple of leagues. I recommend to people listening to do it. I'm putting myself out there and saying this guy is at a point where you're gonna you're gonna be shaking your head and really upset that you didn't trade for him yep. this time next year or two years from now. The arrow is pointing up for Terry McLaurin. I think we both really like him a lot. Was tenth in the NFL in targets of twenty plus yards downfield. So really explosive. Um, like you're saying, the route running is there. If a quarterback can get him the ball, sky is the limit for Terry McLaurin. John, we probably have time for one, maybe two more wide receivers. I'm going to bring one to the table, and then I'll let you go ahead and say the ec- the second one. And then I'll tell you what, on another show, we'll sit down and we'll talk about the rest of the, the prospects here, the 2019 class. Okay. You know who I'm bringing to the table. It's A.J. Brown, yeah. the guy that Okada and my, <laughs> I have talked about a lot. We love this guy. Obviously, now we have stability at the quarterback position with Ryan Tannehill signing that four-year deal. AJ Brown, one stat that you need to know when you're listening to this podcast that you need to understand is yards per route run. 
which is a very, very predictive stat. Very. Specifically for rookies as a wide receiver, you look at other players who have led in this category. The biggest one that comes to mind is Julio Jones in his rookie year. Um, other guys as well, Odell Beckham, have really excelled and really taken a huge step forward for fantasy and being an NFL asset. A.J. Brown, 2.67 yards per route run, ranked third in the entire NFL, obviously most uh, as a rookie. So, A.J. Brown, man, I'm all in on this guy. Now you're telling me you have Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. Likely Derrick Henry back on either the tag or a, a long-term deal. I don't think anything changes in this offense. He's the wide receiver one. He's an extremely good player. We saw the upside last season. Am I too bullish on A.J. Brown? No. Um, I'm super high on him as well. College teammates with... with uh, what was it? Hold on. I might be with getting DK. confused. Yeah, okay. I just wanted to make sure I was right on that before I started saying it. College yeah, yeah college teammates with DK Metcalf. Um, they were actually roommates too, I believe. Um, yeah, very close they're friendship. They, uh, they're, they're awesome to come in together. Both of them to tear it up their rookie years is super fun. Um, he's he's so strong. He's a physical wide receiver, um, and I love that about AJ Brown. Um, there were so many times that I saw him catch it like inside the five yard lines, where some wide receivers might get stopped short, and he refused to be denied the end zone. He is a very physical wide receiver. Um, Tannehill did great getting him the ball. They had a really good connection, um, and they got him the ball in a variety of ways, which I liked. Some of it on you know reverses screens quick things they realize that this is their offensive playmaker on the outside and they especially in the second half of the season really started to game plan that way in terms of we're going to run the ball at Derrick Henry we are going to hit some play action most of the time to AJ Brown or we're going to get AJ Brown the ball in space and that was good now I was concerned because he did have a couple disappearing acts in the playoffs um that was a little bit concerning but still rookie year Plenty of upside, plenty of good things that he put on tape, uh, plenty of athleticism and physicality that he showed. I like him a lot, and you know that they're going to have their quarterback position locked up for, you know, he's on a four-year contract. So um, I think that the future outlook for being able to give him an environment, excuse me, where he can grow, I think that he's in a really good situation, um, and I think that A.J. Brown is is only going to continue to rise. Yeah, I think that minor concern that you mentioned is definitely um i think warranted i don't know that i'm super concerned about it but it's a possibility right like you were saying in the playoff games i mean he did nothing like literally like one catch per game nothing and the reason was is because they said okay derrick henry 25 carries here you go like let's see what happens yep and there are going to be games where that happens if derrick henry is the running back that is going to happen and you have to understand that if you're drafting A.J. Brown in redraft, that is going to happen. It's going to be a down week here or there. I'm more willing to put my trust in the player's talent from what I've seen on tape, from the advanced statistics that we see, and knowing now that he has a stable quarterback position. I love that uh, for Dynasty. Okay, man, we have time for one more 2019 rookie wide receiver. Who do you want to talk about? Yeah, I'm going to talk about Debo Samuel. Um, oh, I love it. And... Not only for what he is, but also because of the way that Kyle Shanahan used him. He was the talk of the combine this year. The way that they used Debo Samuel in their offense as kind of that H-back, almost throwback style football. That Swiss army knife that you want to get the ball to however you can. 
I mean, watching the combine, they talked about Debo Samuel every freaking day of the combine. They talked about him and teams looking for that, looking for that guy that can come in and be a utilitarian type of player that you can just get the ball to in a variety of ways and is going to produce. So I think that it's interesting that that's something that the league is kind of looking for and shifting towards as well. And looking at Debo Samuel's numbers, I'm looking at his game logs right now. When he got into this, the back third of the season from week 11 on, he got a carry as a wide receiver every week. He got one, two, one, three, and two. So they were interested in getting the ball into his hands however they could down the stretch. Now, I really like that because you know that he's going to have a safe floor going forward. This is going to be someone that is going to be built into their game plan, and he did very well when he had the ball in his hands. He only had 14 carries on the season, but he had 159 rushing yards. That's 11.3 per carry. Every time he touched the ball, it was a big play. It was explosive. It worked. So they like him a lot. He had 802 receiving yards. Again, wasn't a huge factor uh, early in the season. He did have a, a big week too, but other than that, pretty much disappeared until about week eight. And then from then on, they really started investing in him being a big part of that offense. So he is a very intriguing prospect to me. Um, I really am very interested in the way that Kyle Shanahan wants to use him in that system. Um, I think that this is someone who, if DK Metcalf and AJ Brown are the top two rookie wide receivers from that class, I think Debo Samuel's the third. And I think that he's a very, very interesting prospect going forward. Well, we disagree a little bit. Okay. I, I would have Terry McLaurin above Yeah, him, you but would. Yeah. It, but I agree with what you're saying. Like, Debo Samuel, I think, is today's wide receiver. Like you were saying, yeah. you know, they don't just tell him to line up outside and, and run routes. Like, he's getting the ball in jet sweeps. He's getting the ball on the screens. They're creating ways to to purposefully get the ball in his hands. He's a playmaker. He's dynamic. He's explosive. I think he fits today's NFL perfectly. And for a guy like Kyle Shanahan to be at the the controls of how they're going to yeah. use him, it's really encouraging because obviously he is one of the best offensive minds in the NFL. I do have a little bit of pause, though, just about what the ceiling could be for a guy like Debo Samuel in that offense because the fact that George Kittle, I think, is still their top receiving option. Yep. Jalen Hurd was another rookie who didn't actually even get to play last year because of injury. They mm -hmm. really like him, so we'll see what they do with him. Um, we'll see if Emmanuel Sanders is back. And Jimmy Jimmy G, he's a good NFL quarterback. He's not great as far as a fantasy quarterback, and so I think it limits the upside a little bit. But in terms of what you're going to get out of Debo, you can't argue with it. You're going to get, um, what, five to six total touches at least every single game, mm -hmm. which we love in fantasy to have some volume at the wide receiver position. So, yes, Debo Samuel really encouraging uh first season in the nfl we'll see what happens here in year two all right man that was a ton of awesome content talked about the 2019 rookies we talked about all the latest news around free agency the new cba it is an exciting time finally again in the sports world uh, and we're with you here all along the way helping you guys get through this tough time not really being able to watch live sports so you can watch our faces here <laughs> on periscope and on youtube uh, John, anything else for the people before we get out of here? Yeah, legal tampering period opens tomorrow, so we will start getting some news about communication between different free agent players and teams and start getting the whole puzzle to start coming together. So it's going to be uh, really fun to actually have some, some free agent news to talk about. Absolutely, man. 
Uh, for the listeners, please follow us on Twitter at Redshirts FF Pod. Uh, John I know is going to be plugged in. Okada is going to be plugged in at the network. I will as well. So follow us. I'm at the Fantasy PT. John is at JCW Helmcamp. Okada is at Matt Okada. We're going to be breaking down the craziness that is free agency. We'll be back probably probably Wednesday or yeah. Thursday to get the the news out. We'll get a lot more between now and then. We'll recap it all for you guys here on the show. Please hit that like button, subscribe on your podcast app, and until next time, we are the Red Shirts. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at RedShirtsFFPod and check out our website, RedShirtsFantasyFootball.com.